Our scripture lesson for this morning comes to us from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11, beginning in verse 23 and reading through verse 26. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today is World Communion Sunday. Have you heard of that before? Some have, some haven't. World Communion Sunday is a Sunday that is always set aside on the first Sunday of October where every branch of the Christian family tree, every denomination, non-denominations, everyone across the world joins together in the celebrating of Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Holy Eucharist, whatever it is that they particularly call it in their tradition. It is done and set aside because it is a reminder that what we hold in common as the body of Christ, universal across every branch of the Christian family tree, is much more important than what separates us. Yes, there's beauty in the fact that there is uniqueness. There is beauty in the fact that there are different expressions of faith. There is beauty in the fact that we do have different ways of understanding But the stuff that is most important, the stuff that actually makes us who we are, and quite frankly, the amount of stuff that that is, far outweighs any of the differences. So whether we are Methodist or Baptist or Church of God or Church of Christ or Episcopal or Roman Catholic, whether we are non-denominational, not sure of a denomination, whether we are here in the United States, whether we are in Africa, whether we are in Europe, whether we are in Taiwan, it does not matter. We are all one body. We are all united in grace. We all proclaim Jesus Christ as the Holy Son of God. We all confess our sin in his name, and we receive forgiveness restoration, new life, and are brought into the family of God through him. We really have a habit as human beings in categorizing ourselves. We have all kinds of different categories that we use to define. We have things such as progressive or traditional, however we define those things. We define ourselves by Republican, Democrat or libertarian. We define ourselves, like I've mentioned, across denominational lines. We define ourselves by socioeconomic classes. We define ourselves by our our professions. And I'll give you the truth of this. When, When you are meeting someone for the first time, what's normally the first question that gets asked? What's your name? And what's the second question? What do you do? We define ourselves by the jobs that we have. We can define ourselves by our education levels. And quite frankly, one of the biggest ways that we define ourselves, at least in the state of Alabama, is whether we pull for Alabama or Auburn. And that is the one that will get more fights started than any of the other ones. Do you know that we even define ourselves here at Bluff Park? The gathering 
or the traditional service. Well, this Sunday is a Sunday where we say all of that stuff does not matter. Not a bit. Not, not a moment. If you prefer to worship in the chapel with JT leading us on guitar or with Davis, if you prefer to have coffee as you get, that's great. If you prefer a robe and a stole and a hymnal and a choir procession, that's great. Because we're all worshiping the same God. And it's all through Jesus Christ. And if we prefer the Methodist tradition, that's wonderful. I'm personally partial to it. But you know what? My uncle is a Church of God preacher. And I mean a real Church of God preacher. Cleveland Church of God preacher. He gets tickled that we talk about contemporary worship versus traditional because he started serving the Weaver Church of God back in the 1960s. He is still there. And they've been using bass guitars and drums in worship since he got there. We had very ordered way of doing things. He kind of makes it up as he goes along. Still worshiping God. Today we are reminded that in whom we believe is so much more important than just simply what we believe. In whom we believe defines us. Our preferences are just that, our preferences. We are still all a part of one body together. That's part of what Paul is addressing in his first letter to the Corinthians. They are a congregation of multiple house churches all meeting in Corinth, and there's all kinds of stuff that's going on. There's all kinds of fun things that happen with, with First Church Corinth. I mean, they, you've got some folks that are gathering together early in the day because they are business owners. They're wealthy. They're landowners. They, they don't have any particular place that they have to be at a certain time. So they're gathering together, and they're sharing in a lavish meal, and they're celebrating community. Union. And then you've got other folks that are coming in at the end of the day. Folks that work in the shops, that work in the businesses, that are the servants, that can't get away until late at night. And when they gather together, then the meal's already gone and the worship service is concluded and no one has thought about them. They're arguing about whether they are Jewish converts to the faith or whether they are Gentile converts to faith or whether they're pagan converts to the faith and who's got the right order there. They're arguing about whether they eat meat or whether they don't eat meat. They argue about what they wear. There's just a bunch of stuff. Again, people making their categories. And Paul in his instruction gives us the actual first written instruction of what we celebrate here. He tells them, you know what? I received from the Lord what I've also passed on to you. That the night in which our Lord and Savior gave himself up for us, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to the disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. And likewise, at the end of the meal, he took the cup, he lifted it, he blessed it, he gave it to the disciples and said, drink from this all of you, for this is my blood that's poured out for you and for many. And every time we eat this bread and every time we take this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's the heart. That's the thing that is important. That's, that is the thing. Jesus Christ manifests. The holy celebration of communion is something that has been passed down in this way since it began. One person receives from the Lord what they also share with someone else. 
the celebration of Holy Communion or the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, however you want to call it, is absolutely the oldest tradition in our, in our faith. They were celebrating Holy Communion before Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. They were celebrating Holy Communion before Paul wrote his first letter. We were celebrating Holy Communion before the first Gospels were penned. We were celebrating Holy Communion when we still weren't sure exactly what all this meant. When, when the disciples turned apostles were gathering together, they still took bread and cup and the gift of grace that God had given to them in that borrowed upper room on the night in which he was arrested. And for 2,000 years, we have been gathering around the table of grace, taking bread and cup, daring to meet God in this holy mystery. A holy mystery that's not based on preferences or opinions or likes or theological discourse or which branch of the Christian family tree we happen to be on. A table of grace that is open regardless of whether you have had the best week of your life or the worst week of your life. Whether you have faith this morning so as to move mountains or whether you are pretty sure a mountain has been dropped right on top of you. A table of grace that is open to all. And a holy moment. That defies, that defies our feeble attempts to explain it. The best way that I know how to put it is that the veil that separates heaven and earth is not nearly as thick as we like to pretend that it is. Again, there's our categories again, right? Our real life and our spiritual life, earth and heaven. But with God, God sees all. But that veil that's not quite so thick anyway gets really thin when even two or three gather in his name. And we dare to take bread and cup and to hand on to another what was first given to us. You see, when we gather at this table, we are admitting that we don't have it all together that we don't have it all figured out. That if you're anything like me, there are some days when you're pretty sure you make God smile. There's something really awesome that happens and you know that God was at work and you know that you got to be a part of it and you know that you didn't mess it up. And then there's other days where the stress of the day or the attitudes of our hearts or the situations that we're in kind of get the best of us. And we take our focus off the face of Christ and we start paying attention to the wave, right? Where we're not exactly sharing the same grace and love we profess to receive. And here's the thing. God understands. God's grace is made even more abundant in those moments when the Holy Spirit brings to our minds something that maybe we didn't do quite so well and brings us to the conviction moment and where we confess and tell God we're sorry. And then God's grace made even more abundant when God lifts us up, dusts us off, and says, okay, let's go try it again. You realize that all of this is present at the table of grace. Now, the table of grace issued in the invitation of Jesus Christ invites us to come just as we are. But in God's grace and in God's love, it also proclaims to us that God loves us too much to leave us where he finds us. 
very nice way of saying, don't hold me responsible if you come down to receive one way and you find it impossible to go back the same way that you came. In this moment, God meets us. Each one of us together through the same bread and the same cup, but yet as individually as we are. In this moment, we get a foretaste of glory divine, the appetizer of the great banquet of God that occurs when Christ returns and the kingdom is in the fullness that it will be. This moment that defies being simply categorized as a Methodist thing or a Baptist thing or a Roman Catholic thing. This moment where you know if you've experienced it before that there is something special that you just can't quite put into words because where you can eat bread and grape juice at any point in time. I don't know why you would. It's kind of an odd combination when you think of it, unless it's jelly on toast, but still. But yet in this moment, you can be handed a piece of bread and offered a cup full of grape juice that you're going to dip your bread in. And someone's going to dare to look at you in the eyes and say, this is the body and blood of Christ that's given for you. And there's something that's going to churn. And you're going to know it. And you're going to feel it. And you just might find the grace of God that's been there the whole time. Categories are not necessarily bad. They help us order our lives and work through things and figure things out. But in the body of Christ, the categories and the boxes that we build should never divide. Because not only is this World Communion Sunday, and that's what we celebrate is the unity that we have in Christ. But because every single Sunday when we dare to come to the table of grace at the invitation of Christ, this invitation itself breaks down those categories. And says in the world you might be Democrat, Republican. In the world you might be progressive or, 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 or traditional. In the world you might be a teacher or a plumber. In the world you might have this degree or you might not. In the world you might be on this socioeconomic ladder or you may not be. In the world you might be an Alabama fan or War Eagle. But here you are brother and sister. And that's what's most important. So what I've received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. That on the night that our Lord and Savior gave himself up for us, he took bread. And he blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples. And he invited them to take and eat. And he told them that this was more than bread, that this was his body that he was given to them. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he lifted it and he blessed it. And again, he invited his, his disciples and all who were in the room to dare to drink. This was no longer just simply wine, but it was his blood that was being shed for them. And in the same way, 2,000 years later, in Bluff Park, Alabama, we too continue 
And in doing so, just like the line of saints that have come before us, we also proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. And we remember, we remember who we are and we remember whose we are. And that defines everything else. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.